everybody, and welcome to Input 2 as we continue our coverage of that spooky, scary Halloween content. And I'm your host, Emily Rubin, but I have two new faces. Well, voices, I guess. I don't know. There are two new people on this podcast. <laughs> if you can see them, something's very wrong. <laughs> Over here, I have... Tanner Kinney. And what do you do here at Byte Tanner? Uh, I'm the reviews editor. I write reviews and other features and strange things. That's a great summary of what you do. And... I'm Matthew Yap, the managing editor, and I don't like to brag, but kind of a slasher movie aficionado. He's actually perfect for this podcast because we are going to be talking about the new Halloween, which is a follow-up to one of my favorite movies of all time, Halloween. <laughs> you know, like, so really quickly, I just want to introduce the film very briefly. It premiered at Toronto International Film Festival on September 8th and got good reception, and then it released this past Thursday, yeah, Thursday on October 19th. It was directed by David Gordon Green, which confused me. Not super big in the horror realm. No, he uh, he directed The Pineapple Express, for anyone that doesn't know, and I hate that movie with a passion. <laughs> I hate it. It's I don't think it's well made, and I don't think it's funny, and I kind of judge people that like it, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I know like three people who like that movie, and I disagree with them. They're all dumb. Wholeheartedly. I hope they're listening. Please share this. <laughs> I hope they get their Rogans out. And something else that's really interesting, too, is like all the writers, for the most part, also aren't really that big into horror. It's written by Green, Danny McBride, and Jeff Bradley. Danny McBride was really odd to me. Yeah. When I saw his name on the credits, I was like, what? Right. <laughs> and then Jeff Bradley, I didn't know who he was, so I looked him up. He doesn't really have like a big portfolio. So mm-hmm. good job, Jeff. <laughs> and then something else that really was confusing to me, um, even before the film came out, I knew it was a Bloomhouse production. And that was a red flag for me. Bloomhouse <laughs> does not make great horror movies. No, they don't. They make like they're the types who would release like uh The Conjuring Twenty Two. Like it, it's <laughs> it's a lot of bad jump scary movies yeah, yeah. I, I don't watch a lot of uh bloomhouse movies because all all i've seen from them is that they're very inconsistent and in, and like the quality of their movies they just like pick random projects mm-hmm. yeah so like you have stuff like a quiet place yep. or uh there was a get out you, yep. you know you have those two movies which are both pretty great Mm-hmm. And then you have stuff like Wish Upon, <laughs> which, which is, is also pretty great, but in, for different reasons. Okay, fair, fair enough. So I'll take it. So when I heard it was Bloomhouse, I was like, uh, this could either be interesting or just the worst of the worst. So I went into this movie with like wanting to really love it, but having like low expectations. Yeah. Like, you guys similar? Yeah, I have seen every Halloween that's come out. So like Season <laughs> of the Witch, like the Rob Zombies. I like Season like, of the Witch. I don't. But you know <laughs> Not that's as a Halloween fair. movie. But <laughs> okay, that's very fair. But yeah, no, like all the Rob Zombie ones. And so I have not seen a good Halloween since like the second one I Two. enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a minute for me. So I went in like, it's going to be another bad one, but I'm excited. Same. And I was wrong. Same. Yeah, exactly. I, did we all like it? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Yay! But before we get into that, let's talk about the first Halloween, because I think it's critically important. Crucially, critically, same words. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's recap the first film a little bit, but not too much, because I think most people know it You guys get happened. the idea. <laughs> it's not a very complex movie. I think it's super complex. In, term, in mean, terms of lore. In terms of lore, it's fairly simple. It's not really at complex. The start. <laughs> at, at least the first movie. Yeah. So it actually, it came out in 1978, and it was directed by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And we are going to highlight Deborah Hill because no one else does, and dang it, I'm so tired of it. No, because like John... Everyone knows John Carpenter. He's a very talented man. Yeah. But like, Deborah, she's just as important. She, she played just the same role. She, she, for those who don't know, she was a co-writer. And she, well, they wrote it together. And mm-hmm. she was his girlfriend at the time. which I Oh, think I did not know that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they are anything now. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I love about the original Halloween is it respects women. Yes. And I, I really like that they actually sound like women talking (laughs) and that's because of deborah because she wrote all of the dialogue for all the women so it wasn't just some random guy trying to be like a teenager and cool it was actually a woman and i think for a slasher film that's so rare and i really appreciate it and everybody should go and hug deborah because no one seems to care about her but anyway we we, care we care about you deborah we love you deborah retroactively we care about you deborah (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. Um, so anyway, the film basically it stars, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and she gets stalked by Michael Myers. Do we, do we need to say anything else no. about it? Like, I, I mean, yeah, people get murdered. A dog gets five murdered. People. Five people. And a dog, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's really famous. It had a huge impact on horror movies. And Matt, I'm sure you know a bunch about that. So. Yeah, so one of my favorite topics of study is like the formula of slasher movies. And Halloween really did lay great great groundwork for these are the ticks. This is what makes Laurie Strode the final girl. These are uh, like, it, it very much creates kind of a formula. And I'm not going to say it, it full on made it, but I would say it was one of the biggest at the time that yeah. really stuck to and gave the public a idea of what a slasher movie will look like. Yeah, and this film was only shot for $300,000, which is nothing. Like for films, just for like reference, a low budget film by today's standards is like a million. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. they had nothing and the music even it was shot in like shot, like recorded in 3 days. This movie was made with little to nothing and it paved the way for other horror films with low budgets to enter the mainstream and without this film we wouldn't have your Friday the 13th mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know Elm, Elm, Elm Street Elm Street any of those movies that you know are such pop culture icons would not exist and a lot of what I think we see in like kind of this new wave of horror movie franchises and just parroting themselves like scream very openly like parodies kind of like the slasher movie formula and again all these new horror movies that do that I think is a large part to do with Halloween yeah yeah, and uh, you know a lot of these Blumhouse movies, these really cheap-looking horror movies, mm-hmm. they, it, in my mind, these kind of are emulating this old style of making horror movies. Right. Because I mean, I, I I haven't been that big on horror movies. Like when I was growing up, I didn't watch a lot of them. But from I, it feels like they like had budgets that went up mm-hmm. along with every other movie. Yeah. And then now we're just returning to lower budget. Like limited spaces, limited location horror movies. I think a lot of them work better that way because it forces directors to actually be creative. Yeah. What? Can't get, <laughs> can't get caught up in just the special effects. Ooh, and the... CGI. Yeah. Stop it, please. You, until until we send our, of course, our two horror monsters to space. Uh, <laughs> Michael peak. Myers in space. Go, Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else I want to highlight about the original Halloween is I know a lot of people, especially people our age, might not like the original because it's not scary. It's not. <laughs> it's cheesy. The kills are cheap. They're oh, so they're so funny. cheap. And I mean, like, even when he hides the bodies, we can see it coming. Like, she's going to open a closet and someone's yeah. going to be dangling. But you have to look at it through the context at the time. What These shots that we think are really cliche, this film made those yeah, shots. Yeah, that's why they're cliche. <laughs> it's because of this film. This is the original. The, uh, the opening scene where it's like the tracking shot and we see everything through Michael's perspective, that was this is this is one of the most important shots in film history. Mm-hmm. Like that's not an exaggeration. That was not done before, but we see it all the time now. Yeah, and it's kind of cool to see a horror movie defining something because no one cares about horror movies. Also, I will say the something that is almost a joke now, but the Michael Myers like dun 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 like yeah. music that they created is just so ingrained in pop culture. I think people a lot of people would just know it as like scary music now. They wouldn't yeah. even know it was Halloween because how big of an impact it had. That's yeah. a good point. And what it, like one of the articles said John Carpenter crafted it on a Casio keyboard for yeah. three days. <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah. on his own. He was like beep 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 They literally <laughs> couldn't get a budget so he just like rented out a recording studio and was like, Well let's get down to it. Makes mad eighty six gotta make it done. Before I the eighties so I my, one of my bigger complaints about the first movie is I think that sound effect is overly used, but that's another conversation. Which one, the no, the the iconic Michael sound. The oh. beep, 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 beep. It's every time we see him. It that's really true. does get old. I, I don't know. I kind of love that. Do you? I, I, I kind of love that. I love it in a cheesy way. I cannot imagine watching it at the time and being like, <gasps> No, Michael's yeah. coming. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, another just quick thing about the movie. Um, we mentioned that it paved the way for other films, but this was because while other films might have done well amongst audiences, mm-hmm. critics hated them. Yes. So even if like a horror movie, a sp- let's talk about like slashers specifically did okay. Yeah. Critics would pan it, so studios were very reluctant to take it. Because this movie got good press, studios were like, let's make all the slashers. Let's make 80 sequels to Friday the 13th. And they did. <laughs> and Halloween, which speaking of, oh my gosh, there are so many Halloween films 
Do we know how many off the top of our head? I think there are uh, nine. This makes 10. 10, including this one. Okay, so they're they're ridiculous. So we have like H2O. <laughs> yeah, which that, Halloween 20 that years, is the, you know. That's the worst name yet. I didn't know that was a movie that existed until yeah. we started you know, yeah. doing research on this. I was like, really? H2O? Resurrection's yeah. more, it's better than H2O. Resurrection. <laughs> you have all the Rob Zombie ones, which the the first Rob Zombie one was just Halloween again. So we have, this kind is our of. third one that's just called Halloween. So that's fun. <laughs> We're so original. But a quote that I thought was interesting that John Carpenter said in an interview with Dateline regarding all these sequels is that he very bluntly said, there shouldn't have been any more. I'm flattered by the fact that people want to remake them, but they remake everything these days, so it doesn't make me that special. But Michael Myers was an absence of character, and yet all the sequels are trying to explain that. That's silliness. It just misses the whole point of the first movie to me. Do we agree with that? Absolutely. That is my biggest, a large, large portion of what the, I, I keep talking about the Rob Zombie ones even though I hate them, but a large portion <laughs> of what the original Rob Zombie one, it was like looking at Michael's childhood and like how he's a weird, messed up kid. Yeah. And like, that wasn't supposed to be the point. It wasn't supposed to be this like, oh, look at this tragic unfolding of like his weird, terrible home life and that's why he became this. It takes away from what makes Michael scary that he's yeah. just this like mysterious force that you don't know why he's around. Yeah, Michael Myers is just like a slab of meat with a knife. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't need to be more complex with. He doesn't need to be more complex than that. I, I don't understand why we're so reluctant to just admit that evil people exist, and there isn't always a reason for it. They don't always have some tragic backstory. Sometimes your neighbor just snaps. <laughs> it's, it's scarier, and I think we just don't want to admit that. So we try to be like, well, Michael grew up with really bad parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think to me the Rob Zombie movies are the worst, even though technically filmmaking wise they aren't, because Rob Zombies is one pro, they're actually popular. Yeah, and that just irritates the heck out of me because people like that characterization of Michael. Which fair, I guess that's your preference, but if you've seen the original, like no, and Rob also in all of his movies likes to really turn up. The gore and like the brutalness and killings, yeah. which is what honestly just what a lot of people go for in horror. And how in the original Halloween, they purposely tried not to show that much blood because it's scarier without. They mm-hmm. want you. They in an interview I had watched a while back, they mentioned something about like you can get as close as possible to showing the like gore and blood, but don't. Mm-hmm. And I like that more because. I guess gore can be scary, but it just seems cheap. Yeah. Uh, think about a lot of the cheesy B-movies from like the 70s or 80s after Halloween where they have excessive gore mm-hmm. and it's just ridiculous because it's all fake. Yeah. And sometimes they don't get really good looking gore and it's like red paint that's watered down or they just use a birthday cake <laughs> to simulate someone getting smashed. This, yeah, and it's it it's, doesn't need to be there. I see what you guys are saying, but I am a bit of a fan of gore. I I take the fact that like a lot of like nineteen seventies movies, like they can't quite pull it because the audience mm-hmm. would not go see it like they would now. Like Suspiria, like a girl falls into a room full of razors and she gets like a scratch on her forehead. Right. <laughs> and so like it's it they couldn't quite do what they do now. But I've always kind of liked gore because I feel like it almost kicks in something instinctual in you okay. where when you see like blood and guts, you're like, oh, I that shouldn't be there. And so for me, it does add a bit of like almost just internal anxiety because people don't like to look at blood. So I think it does add a little bit in. That's an interesting perspective. I guess for me, I don't. I'm not against it. I just find that a lot of directors feel like to be scary. You, they use it as a crutch. Yeah. Uh, like, I can think of a lot of, like, Saw. I like this, <laughs> at least a few of the Saw movies. And that is just a bloodbath. Yeah. First one's great. And then after that, I really do think, kind of like we're saying, Ooh, it down. just, they, they lean on it. They're like, aren't you scared because you see all this blood? And that's no. not how it works. <laughs> We've seen like 20 other films. That right. It's the exact same thing. So that's kind of our like historic, brief, very brief historical context of Halloween, mm-hmm. the original Halloween. We could honestly do an entire podcast on the, like, the entire franchise right. and just the first one and its importance in the horror movie genre and just filmmaking as a whole. But that's not the movie we really want to talk about. So let's shift our focus to the new Halloween. And let's, just for a little perspective on how it did, on Rotten Tomatoes, it was certified fresh, and it got an 80% critic rating, but a viewer rating of 78, which I thought was interesting, because usually with movies like this, the critic rating is lower. Yeah. And the viewer rating is higher. 
I don't know. I, I've not really seen too many complaints about. No, so after seeing it myself, I was also very surprised by the audience score. Yeah, I thought it'd be higher, honestly. Yeah. I, I thought the critic rating would be lower. Just because it's a horror movie, honestly. Yeah, so I. Interesting. Good job, Halloween. Right. <laughs> well, a lot of times. Uh, for uh, this is just like a general thing that user scores are higher than critic scores mm-hmm. for most movies, unless there's like some kind of campaign against the film, like Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. every Star Wars movie, uh, <laughs> all of those. Just that, that's a mess. But with horror movies, especially even the crappy ones like Wish Upon, you have higher audience ratings because they're like, it was a scare. It gave me a jump. <laughs> I liked it. Very in-depth analysis yes. there. And speaking of in-depth analysis, I like to do this thing where like I pull a positive review and then a negative review. And this one was interesting because I just, well, I'll, I'll get into it in a second. So the positive review is by R- Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun-Times. And he said, Director Green isn't trying to reinvent the sequel Halloween. The, f- the 2018 version is the B-movie sequel Halloween. The 1978 version has always deserved I think that's perfect. I, yeah. I agree. No, I think that's perfect. Good for you, Richard Roper. And then my, my favorite is the negative review by Rex Reed from The Observer. And he says, the result is a disappointing collection of the usual fam- uh, familiar cliches, including kids too stoned or drunk to use common sense. I'm not really sure what he's talking about there because there's only one instance. Of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or drunk to use common sense when the floor creaks in an empty house, victims who lose their cell phones before danger strikes, and an assortment of dumb cops and naive psychiatrists who say things about the monster like, remember, he's the property of the state. He mustn't be harmed. I, I don't think he watched the movie, right? <laughs> <I know. laughs> did, did he watch the same movie? Yeah, like, even the cell phone thing, like, I thought, it, yeah, it's a trope, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. No, and one of the things I was actually going to say is... I think they did it incredibly well for once that people had, like, a proper reaction to, like, terror going on. The only thing other than there is a dumb drunk kid who makes dumb decisions, maybe there was a babysitter who, like, went upstairs to check when a boy was like, there's someone in the house, but little kids are dumb and babysitters aren't supposed to immediately call the cops. I think it's also fair to say that horror movies require a little bit of a suspension of disbelief. It's also a Michael Myers movie. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not necessarily an excuse, but I'm not really sure what this person was looking for in this movie. I don't know. I just think reviews like that are interesting because it seems like they missed this film wasn't even made for them. So why did they go? They missed the point. (laughs) So I guess it's fair to say this movie is getting positive and negative reviews. I have seen negative reviews on uh, Twitter that have been saying, like, this movie is so boring, which I disagree with. I've gotten a lot of, like, people saying it's not scary, which I could see where you're going for. I mean, it's not. It's it's not scary in the slightest. It's it's a slasher film. Are slasher films supposed to be scary? I don't think so. And I would really argue till the cows come home that I don't think slashers are meant to be scary. But some people do go in wanting that. Yeah, because, like, yeah. For, from how I see it, horror movies are like you have thriller horror movies that are just like you're on the edge of your seat and it's really intense. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have the slasher films, which you just you're there to see people get murderized in yeah. murderized. so many different ways. Yeah, I go for fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw this movie twice <laughs> this weekend. Nice. Um, the second theater I was at, everyone was screaming and like every little jump that wasn't even a jump scare. <laughs> was, I don't know. But the first time Tanner and we saw it together, yeah. it was a, we were the most yeah. annoyed. <laughs> I was the loudest. <laughs> like, And it wasn't even like a scared reaction. It was like we were having fun. So I you know. only went once. I went with a friend of mine who does not watch horror movies. Uh, he doesn't particularly care for them. But he was rather scared. Like every time anything would happen, like Michael Myers would just kind of be around and he knew someone was about to die and he would just go (laughs) so it is subjective I guess Yeah. but I personally think it was fine (laughs) the way it was and apparently other audiences thought so too because according to MovieWeb this past weekend it scored number one at the box office which is no surprise honestly what what was this competition Venom week (laughs) week three Venom (laughs) who's seeing Venom still other than me (laughs) Tanner just keeps going back it's a shame. <laughs> so it ended up with 77.5 million domestically, which is the best in the franchise. Rob Zombie's was open to 26 million. So it beat Rob Zombie, and that's really all that's I That's really important to me. <laughs> um, 
But what does kind of make me sad is it's still not the highest grossing horror film. Well, mm. not highest grossing, but opening horror film um, because it beat it out by like a massive amount. It has no hope. Yeah. I can't see any horror film in the near future beating out it. That and was really, such a nominal. Really, anomaly. That's, just, that's just disappointing. I liked it. <laughs> I I liked it. Huh? Get it? It's a hat. <laughs> But I think this movie was better. So this yeah. movie maybe was... it'll pick up. I doubt it at this point. But it's doing very well. And I think part of that is just like people have been waiting for Halloween. And because it advertised itself as like, look, we're going to pretend none of those dumb sequels happened. <laughs> but H2O, you mean the Nick show about the mermaids? That's all it that's, is now. Uh, that's, that's Michael that's Myers is. as a mermaid. Who, who, I would watch that. I would 1,000% watch that. He's slaying people in the ocean. <laughs> but Aquaman's that's not what this great. film is about, which is actually disappointing. I think I take back my, like, <laughs> my love for it. So let's get into spoiler territory. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't really know why you're listening, but it's a little odd. But maybe y- stop you do you because we are going to spoil this movie. Like we're gonna really go into it. Yeah. So Matt or Tanner or both, tell me about this movie. What happened? Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think this movie found its biggest strength in the fact that I feel like this was a movie that was about a rivalry between Laurie Strode, yeah. not Cynthia Myers. That's not her name now, canonically. <laughs> uh, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers in the sense that he's been waiting to come back for her and she has been waiting for him to come. So I think this whole movie is this really cool battle of Laurie trying to protect her family because Michael's come back to kill them all. And she's Laurie is prepped and ready to fight Michael Myers. Also, a lot of other people die. Between, yeah. you know? <laughs> a lot of people. People die. 16. 16. I kept track. I think that's the biggest kill count in the series. Good job, film. But no dogs. No dogs or babies. Oh, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into that. <sighs> I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> that was that is my absolute biggest complaint about this movie. We won't get into that. So I've mentioned this like a billion times, but it's honestly the most important aspect of the film for me is that it this is a completely new film. It doesn't focus on um, you know, Halloween two three even though he's not part of this at all yeah um the the initial discussion was to actually include the second halloween in the war mm-hmm. um and this was mentioned in the with the director in an interview with collider but uh danny mcbride was actually one that was like no let's just pretend that didn't happen either <laughs> and then jeff jeff radley actually took it a step further because he wrote the tracking shot with michael as he first goes door to door and green was like that's pretty cool but they couldn't really institute that if there was um the second movie because there'd be some sister um, relationship and then it wouldn't be random and then it wouldn't be scary so they firmly understand that what makes michael scary is that there is no reason yeah it's not because she's a sister i was reading a quote and it was basically the reason it's not scary anymore if michael and Lori are sis a brother and sister is because I'm not Michael's brother. I'm not Michael's sister. There would be no reason for Michael to come kill me. Because even though he does kill other people, you're never going to be around like a serial killer's brother or sister probably. So it removes you a bit, which I do agree with. Yeah. uh, I don't have anything to say that. (laughs) That was a very like assertive yeah. Yeah. Do we think that was a good idea then? I I do. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how insane the lore got because oh, there's I, like astrology. Astro- astrology? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. what, was, that, was that an H two O? I think that was an H two O. It was. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Watch H two O. No, don't. <laughs> Get very drunk. I don't know if I can advertise that. Watch H two O with special beverages. Yes. <laughs> yeah, some grape soda. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever makes soda. you enjoy a movie more, man. <laughs> So we've talked a bunch about how like we're glad that it didn't like carry over stuff. But do we like how this film like I know, Matt, you just kind of commented on like the rivalry between Laurie and Michael. But other than that, there's a lot to this narrative. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of mini stories going on here. Do we think that those were executed well? Because one of the criticisms I've heard and I mentioned it briefly before is that the beginning part of the movie is very uh, slow. Oh, the the opening part is absolute garbage. Oh, you think and so? I, really? I will, and I will say that because when I, when we were sitting in the theater, until Michael Myers starts murderizing people mm-hmm. in uh, oh, shoot, what's the name of the town? Haddonfield. Haddonfield. Until Illinois. he starts until he starts killing people there, I'm like, what? What is this? Why are we following these true crime people? These podcasters. I love the true crime I aspect. Too. I I I mean, maybe I just I just didn't like. 
connect with that because mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I'm not into that true crime thing. I just thought yeah. they were pointless characters I... who were there. It purely to just give exposition and context to the audience. That is an appropriate criticism because they did just spew criticism. Like when they go to talk to Lori, she's like, tell me your daughter, she was taken away from you. It just seemed like, okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, I think one of the reasons I like the true crime aspect, I think it felt it very much grounded into a modern time. Because a lot yeah. of time when movies are like reboots or something, they're like, look, we're modern now because I have an iPhone. <laughs> and it just doesn't quite work. But I feel like if we were in a time where there was someone like Michael Myers, absolutely, I listened to a lot of true crime prod, uh, podcasts mm-hmm. and a thousand percent too annoying, exploitive, because true crime podcasts get really exploitive, yep. people would absolutely go knocking on Louis Strode's door and being like, do you want to talk about Michael? So for me, just knowing that kind of realm, it felt very real to me that someone would be trying to do that. And I thought it was a clever way to just be like, what has Laurie been doing for 40 years? We'll tell you. Yeah, I don't see how, like, they would start the film immediately with Michael without it being pandering and odd. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I can definitely understand the criticisms of it, but I actually liked it. And I like that they got axed off, too. Yeah. Oh, that was that was very satisfying. That was probably, that might have been my favorite kill. That was just brutal. When uh, there's a scene where Michael goes into a bathroom that the one of the girls on the podcast is uh, in, and he just drops a bunch of human teeth. <laughs> yes. In front of her, and I was like, "Oh, that's my guy." That was. I wish we saw it. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> him yanking out teeth. I uh, that you also just reminded me of something that I thought was interesting. Right before that little scene in the bathroom, I thought that it was cool that they kind of went back to their roots and actually showed Michael in the world behind the main action doing yes. things. Like we, if you weren't paying attention, you might not see him beating the crap out of some guy in the background. Yeah. And there's one shot that I actually missed the first time because um, the male podcaster was in the forefront and the background was blurry and Michael walks by. walks by, by yeah. I just, because I wasn't paying attention to the background. Yeah, yeah. and I that's, that. that's a common, that's like a thing the first movie does, yeah. does a lot. Like, because yeah. I I just rewatched it literally earlier today, and <laughs> what a champ! Uh, there were there were so many moments in the film where I will say the slow start is also a thing the first film has because yeah. yeah, like murders don't happen until like halfway through the film, and I know because I was checking the time the time card, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, how far are we into this film? Oh, okay, this isn't what I expected. Yeah, I think stuff like seeing Michael walk around in the background stuff, it does add kind of another human aspect to it because it's not like this ghostly figure where there's just a body here now. No, we see Michael does have to walk from point A to like point B like everyone else. Like he's always around doing something. (laughs) I will. um, You also just remind you keep reminding me of things. Thank you. I try. Another criticism I did have is there was at least one instance where I was like, now, how did he teleport there? Yeah. (laughs) You know, but again, that's kind of the suspension of disbelief. Like. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a make or break thing for me. Just like, how did he do that? He just has Are really Jason good. Now? He has really good strategic flanking. <laughs> well, I have. He, like, he has a map of everyone's <laughs> he, house. He knows the town. I mean, I wouldn't die. My, one of my criticisms is just like, and I've had this with a lot of slasher movies in every Halloween film. Michael just ends up in people's houses a lot, as if no one ever locks doors yeah. ever. <laughs> And like, it's a modern film, so there's not really an excuse yeah, for it. Yeah, there was no reason that, like, at one point there was just this, uh, the, probably the quickest test, there was this random woman who's just looking through her window, and Michael, like, comes up behind her into her house. Why was that woman <laughs> home alone with every door unlocked, apparently? I really like that shot, though. It is a very a cool really shot. shot. It was a fun shot. Just to describe it, because I, I was really excited about it, because I'm a dork. So this woman's sitting, like... I don't know, her window pane is the best yeah. way to put it. She walks over to it, and right behind her in her house, you can see another window, like, leading to the side of another house. Mm-hmm. And you can just see Michael walk by, and in just one shot, without the camera moving, Michael ends up in the house and just kills her from behind. Yeah. Like, this movie has a really good grasp of space. Yes. And I really appreciate that, because in other films, it would just be, like, close-up, medium shot, close-up. She would be walking around her house, and she'd hear, like, a bang on the side and she'd turn around and Michael Myers is yeah, in the house but yeah. watching the whole thing kind of through like window panes is really fun I really enjoyed that um let's talk about characters a little bit let's do it because wow. I think Jamie Lee Curtis did a fabulous job stole the show oh, she was phenomenal was she everyone's favorite she was my favorite yeah I yeah. mean, who? What other better character besides Michael Myers is there? Jamie Lee Curtis is super fascinating to me because she comes from the horror background. Like mm-hmm. she was kind of destined to play a female horror lead. She is the original, uh, like scream queen. Like she yeah. made it. 
Uh, her mother, Janet Lee, was Marion Crane and Alfred Hitchcock's psycho. So she comes from like the highest of high of yeah. horror movie legacy. And I think Jamie Lee, in her own right, does a great job in the horror films and is comparable to her mother. I even prefer Jamie Lee to Janet Lee just because, one, I've seen more of Jamie Lee's movies, and two, she was in Prom Night. And I really like Prom, Prom Night's Night. fire. <laughs> but what other characters do we like? Because they, they actually introduced a lot of new ones. Vicky. Vicky? V- Vicky's I love Vicky. amazing. Vicky is a great a great babysitter. The kid that she's babysitting is I was about hilarious. to say, I don't know his name, but they had such a fun dynamic. I, liked, I really like that they allowed the, especially, I keep going back to women, but it's mm. just so rare for them to actually have a personality. And they could have just easily made her dumb blonde, yeah. bad babysitter. She could have very much just been like, whatever, kid, like, go back to bed. But no, she was like, kind of like very sweet about it. And she was like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to protect you. Like, come up, show me what you saw. And then she like, my favorite part about her, she like jumped out and scared him. So I'm like, oh, you're fun. You're about to die, but you're fun. <laughs> and the kid was like, with the boyfriend, I don't remember his Send name. Dave first. Send Dave first. <laughs> Dave, you're about to die. <laughs> I thought... Did, did we think the humor worked well in the film? I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. Just like super surprisingly well. That's another criticism I've heard quite a bit is that. Really? Yeah. I've On Twitter specifically, I've seen people talking about the humor and how they didn't like how it changed the tone. I don't think what? this film would have worked. Yeah, if, if it was taken 100% seriously, it would have just been dumb and goofy. Would have been Because Michael's kills are all dumb and goofy yeah. for the most part. He impales someone up to a wall, which he does <laughs> in the first movie. He does. I did, real, I did see It was that. like a fun little... I I feel like it was like kind of a nod, like the boyfriend gets pinned to the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really get that complaint. I'm so surprised. Genuinely, the theater I was in, like, the whole room was laughing, and I think it worked really well. I I can kind of get that, like, it does take you out of it a bit, but I don't know. I think a lot of people handle, like, being scared with humor, so I think when you're scared, you make jokes. I think that's fair, and also, I just... Who's coming into Halloween expecting a 100% serious movie? No. People who see the Blumhouse tag and they're like, oh, wow, (laughs) that's just like the the creators of my favorite film. Annabelle was so spooky the whole time. Annabelle You guys are hurting me. This hurts. I think Tanner and I were the like, and uh, the other people we went with were the only people actually reacting in any way. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad. At least around us. I don't know if they didn't like it or who was just like... All I know is thrilled. that every time I would cheer for a kill, I'm pretty sure the girl sitting next to me, like, inched further and further away from me. She absolutely did. Like I said, I, uh, I'm i really into horror. And so the person next to me who was not, someone's head got literally stomped in and I went, sick. <laughs> and my friend was like, oh, Matt. Like, oh, oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. But I also think the humor, with a lot of these characters just wouldn't have been anything. If they hadn't no. had humor to them. And I guess they could have written them as something else, but I can't. The kid would have just been an annoying, scared kid. Yeah, or just a kid that were like, okay, I guess you have to babysit him. Right. Like, so I disagree firmly. Another character that I really liked is, as the film calls him, the new Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so I'm gonna, a fun twist I did not see coming. I didn't either, and I thought it was very well done. Mm. I cannot pronounce this man's Binet name to save my life, so if you're listening to this, it's Haluk. Billing, Billinger, Billinger, Billinger. I just said the therapist the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's the actor's name, and I think he did a really good job. He of, did. He, he he definitely was uh, referencing Loomis the yeah. entire time in his performance. But he was enough of his own character to be interesting and not just like okay, they're just trying to send me on a nostalgia trip. Right. And the twist we were referring to is he ends up being like. I, he's not like crazy. He was just kind of like not an accomplice to Michael, but very fascinated and wanted to see what Michael was going to do. He wanted Michael to speak. And so he ends up killing a guy to get like alone with Michael and uh, Laurie Strode's granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really loved when he put on Michael's mask. Yeah. That was just a new level. What the heck? Yeah. I was like, oh, dude, you're sick. It was. Oh, I, had, I had initially thought that he was going to, ter- like, the movie was going to do something incredibly dumb and have him become Michael Myers. That's what I thought, I, too. I and I was like, I was don't like, do that no. movie. No, like, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, I thought they had actually killed Michael Myers with the car and that he was about to become Michael Myers. And I was like, oh, please don't. Like, please, please don't. I cannot imagine how this movie would have been if it was just <laughs> this dude running like he doesn't have the physical strength this dude in a sling i feel like just one shot would have taken him out yeah. so yeah, yeah thank you Bloomhouse or whoever <laughs> <laughs> who 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 on the production uh did that good job shout out 
I think they might have wanted us to think that purposefully, though. Probably. Uh, so that's kind of slimy of you. <laughs> Scared <laughs> you like that. What did we think of Allison, Andy Matichak? Uh, so I think that probably the best part for me was just the fact that it was like three generations of Strode women. Yeah. And they were all very different, but they all had this kind of like instinctual, like survival instinct that I thought was really fun. And at no point did she seem like the dumb teenage like girl who deserves to die. All of the decisions she made was pretty smart, like ran off. Uh, she got a knife and protected herself. I think she was a good addition. The first time I watched it, um, there's a part where, you know, after she finally sees Michael, she makes a dart for the woods. And at fir- the first time, for like a brief second, I was like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about it. And the way the, the it's framed is like, uh, there are two police officers. The, the, psychi- the crazy psychiatrist has just been gunned down. He just killed a police officer. She thought she was safe. And in front of her, two police officers. And I was like, why didn't she run to them? And you know what? I wouldn't either. Because <laughs> Would you trust them? No, because everybody Michael has been like around is yeah. immediately killed. I would say no. I had that like talk too. And basically what I said and kind of decided in my own mind was like, she just wants to get away from everyone. She wants yeah. to be alone because she doesn't trust anybody. Yeah, and realistically... Like, if if she had thought about Michael's, like, mindset and how he'd follow people, does he seem like the kind of guy to go hunting for people in the woods? Not if there's another target. Yeah, like, Michael just kills whatever's closest. He doesn't really have a rhyme or reason. I think the only exception would be Lori. Yeah. So, I... He, the kid next to me the second time I saw it was very upset about this. Yeah. He was kind of screaming about it and he walked out halfway through the movie. Oh, wow. Jeez, dude. So, I don't know. I thought that was important to you mention. Know, it happens. <laughs> well, it does. More for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also really like the relationship specifically between Allison and Lori. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little touch. We don't really see grandparent relationships yeah. in more movies. And I think. Lori fit this, not Lori, but Jamie Lee Curtis fit this older Lori role very well. Yeah. It didn't seem just like they're like, let's get Jamie Lee and make some money. It seemed like she actually. There was a reason for her to be in the movie. She's perfect. Yeah. I can't, like, this is exactly how I would probably be if I was in Lori's situation 40 years ago. I think you said the grandparent situation. I really liked it. Struck home for me because I had some weird childhood stuff. Not nearly as weird as them, but my whole family's kind of messed up in a fun way. Not fun. <laughs> in a fun it's not fun at all. <laughs> but uh, something that really resonated with me is my grandparents, I've never been close to them but they've always been very much just like my life was terrible I hope you can like have a normal life and that seemed what Lori kind of wanted for Allison when she was yeah. like I had this traumatic childhood she I, there was one point where she gave her money she's like go to Italy go somewhere just run off somewhere yeah. and so it was very much just like she wants her granddaughter to have a life she couldn't I thought it was cool too um, bringing up the daughter not the granddaughter Lori's daughter yeah um, had a completely different dynamic than absolutely and I think that's fair because it would have when she had her daughter, the mm-hmm. trauma would have been fresher. She yeah. doesn't know how quickly Michael's going to get out, so she teaches her daughter to be in, in complete fear of the world to the point where unhinged. she gets taken away. Yeah, and I think that shows how interesting of a character Lori is. Like mm-hmm. this has completely defined her life, and we don't really see post-traumatic stress disorder. And no. I think it's handled pretty well because they don't make her a victim at all. No. I mean, even though it is something that kind of ran her life, it was like there was a reason for it, you know? And it's she was like training. Yeah, in yeah. the end, when we learn it's a trap, Yeah, she's not imprisoned. Yeah, because, I mean, Michael escaped once. What's, what's to say he's not going to escape again? Exactly. At any time. She had perfect reason to turn her house into a death trap. Why does no one believe her? Right. Like, because, like, because people think that people trust the justice system. And really, <laughs> that's where their problems lie. You know. <laughs> Isn't that just in a lot of our lives? But yeah, no. Like you said, she has seen Michael Myers, who's been like shot, thrown off a building, stabbed, all these things, who should have died so many times, never die. So why would she think she's ever safe? They kind of continue the trend from the original of, uh, well, in the original, Loomis always referred to Michael as it. Mm-hmm. Because... We know Loomis has seen some stuff. And yeah. what I really appreciate about the first film is, like, we don't have that backstory. So our imagination is just like, what the yeah. heck has Michael done? And here, Laurie takes that up again. And so does Dr. Sartain, though to a lesser extent, because he kind of romanticizes Michael in this weird way. It's really weirdly fascinating. I don't like it. Um, but I like that Michael is constantly dehumanized and we just get to see evil. Like, yeah. they don't show his face. Um uh, I, I just really like that. It, it's so easy to just give him a like a lame backstory right. or to give him empathy, which they did in one scene. 
which we're going to get into now. So going on to the character of Michael Myers, I thought it was cool because they brought in Nick Castle, who is the original Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't play him throughout the entire film. Um, most of the scenes like were done by stuntman James Jude Courtney. But in the first scene where Michael and Laurie first see each other and make eye contact, that's Nick because they wanted to give that emotional moment. And uh-huh. they were like, it has to be Nick. And he also does all the like creepy breathing post-production. <laughs> Just great. You see, I, didn't even, I didn't even notice a lot of the creepy breathing in the new Halloween. It's not as prevalent. It's like when he puts on the mask and then towards the end of the film Mm -hmm. i can't really think of too many other instances yeah because the first movie has a lot of creepy breathing and that could be just the subtitles telling me that there was heavy breathing there (laughs) (laughs) i mean no it definitely did have more but that's nick um so let's talk about michael myers portrayal in this one Mm -hmm. overall i think this is my favorite michael uh he's just brutal i'd say so yeah The way he goes immediately, once he starts killing, he does not stop. We see him kill a child, which I was impressed. I was impressed by. I didn't think they'd do it. No, I didn't either. I I was very glad it happened. (laughs) I know what you mean. uh, Yeah. (laughs) On-screen child death. It makes him a scarier character. (laughs) Yeah, something something only Blumhouse would do. They'd be like, well, whatever, kill a child on screen. Who cares? I like that this is a selling point for us. Right. Um, and Michael just goes house to house, killing as many people as he can. You said earlier, Matt, 16 people. Yeah. It's so much fun. Even because uh, he does kill the therapist, the only person mm-hmm. he's interacted with 40 years, has zero gripes about literally stomping his face in. So then please explain to me, friends. <sighs> We're going to talk about that scene. All right. So <laughs> in one of the houses that Michael goes into, he kills a woman very easily, very quickly. Then we hear the sound of a baby screaming. And I remember specifically Tanner leaning over to you, yeah. and I started whispering, do it, Michael. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I may have been making stabbing, you were, stabbing yeah, gestures. You, you were making these terrifying stabbing gestures. The lady to the left was just terrified, <laughs> and we were, I was whispering, kill it, Michael. We looked insane. And then he just he goes That's up solid. to the crib and just walks away. I I remember seeing the theater. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's going to kill a baby. And I was like, he didn't kill a baby? <laughs> I uh, I was very excited because right before we started recording, um, MovieWeb did an interview with Green. And it was literally titled like, let's talk about that scene or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, here we go. And this is what Green had to say. Why doesn't he? Because that would be so rude. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, so does breaking into your home and stabbing someone. <laughs> That's a very real quote. I, I like I like how that's that's his that's his boundary. You know, stopping someone's head in like birthday cake, that's fine. L- coming up behind someone and impaling them to a wall, that's fine too. Killing a baby, that's rude. It's not even like that's too far. That's rude. And this has all been so polite. Michael Myers is the most polite slasher villain. Honestly. He always says please and thank you with his eyes because he doesn't speak. Um, and then it gets even worse. Like, Oh, good. So he says, yeah, it's terrifying in its own right. And it was a last minute dream. I mean, why is there a baby in the living room? It was going to be her husband. Oh, I, I said wrote dream, but it's actually decision. It was a last minute de- decision. Like, why is there a baby in the living room? It was going to be her husband sleeping on the couch, but then he didn't show up. Like the actor? (laughs) They they couldn't get an extra? So rather than just like not have that in there, they were like, I guess we'll use a baby. Just get John Carpenter in there. Just lay him down on the couch. I would have loved if Michael Myers killed John Carpenter. That would have been awesome. So then they say they scrambled and put a baby crib there. And then, yeah, I thought it was interesting to see one ethical choice that he made in the movie. So that's the one ethical choice he makes. I'll take it as just like a last minute production scramble that they messed up on. But no, there shouldn't have been an ethical choice. Does that not, like, that makes no sense, right? No. To me, what that scene, it made me so angry and probably not as angry as anyone else just because I'm weird. They purposely were trying to give the audience that sense of, oh my gosh, they're going to do it. And then they, there's not a reason for him not to. If he had heard a noise outside or anything that made him walk away with logical reason, whatever. But they purposely are manipulating the audience to think that the film is going to do something just to be a letdown. And that's not effective filmmaking. That's no. lazy filmmaking. They, over and over in this movie, they were like, Michael is pure evil. There's no good inside him. I guess there is, though. Except for that well, baby. Maybe... Maybe in his mind, like, there's this thrill of the kill where... The <laughs> baby can't fight. Yeah, the, ba- the baby has no, like, 
it it has no like it it can't run, it can't fight back, it can't do anything. Why bother killing the baby if it's not going to give him any joy? Like even a dog can fight back. Okay, but can we talk about how cool it'd be to see Michael throwing arms with a baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, but- that's an interesting perspective, but then I have to ask, like, he usually stabs people in the back when yeah. they have no chance. I mean, the only real predator-prey relationship that's kind of equal is Lori. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that's true. I mean, there is always a chance that they could notice him and run. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean, there, there are plenty of people who run from him, and they somehow don't get away when he's walking, like, very slowly towards them. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that Michael Lumber's kind of like an old <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. It kind of He seems so tired. <laughs> yeah, how old is he at this point? The, the There was a few chances. I'm very glad they never showed his full face, but there was a few glimpses of his kind of, like, resemblance. Double. Yeah, and yeah. it's an old man. He's at least, like... He'd have to be at least, or tw- er, yeah, probably like fifties. <laughs> that makes it even funnier. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> well, Michael, you were almost perfect. Why didn't you just kill the baby? Almost. Why Moral of the story. The Moral of the story: killed the baby. <laughs> so we've kind of touched on cinematography and editing and tone, but are there any standout scenes that just looked fabulous to you guys? I think everything that happened in the last act, in the final, Ooh. in yes. uh, Lori's trap that she had built it was just so perfect and so well thought out and so cool that it was just beyond to me i can honestly say i've never seen anything like that no in a horror film it was very inventive tanner do you have a moment uh ooh, like i personally think that when he's first like going from door to door stabbing yeah. people like a jehovah's witness <laughs> uh I think you got some weird Jehovah's Witnesses in your neighborhood, oh, buddy. Tr- trust me, I've known, I know them personally. Uh, <laughs> Might want to consider moving, friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, like that. That just like it's like a dolly shot where he's just like going from mm-hmm. door to door. You can see him walk into houses, just yeah. go up behind people, stab them, walk away, go to a different house, stab them, so walk brutal. away. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really well executed shot, and. You've, we talked very briefly, like a second ago, about the ending of the film. So let's talk about the end of the film, because I think that's everyone's favorite. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the most well-crafted part of the movie. I personally thought the ending was a little strange, because it, you know they're going to try and make a bunch of sequels out of yeah, this. They oh, absolutely. Um, but I can't personally see how he would have gotten out. Yeah, I don't... Mm. <sighs> There's not even a window in there. If they do, I think it would be very kind of like a stupid, like, supernatural, he teleported out kind of thing. Yeah. I Wait. If they want to keep Michael Myers human, he's dead. And they need to find a different slasher villain. Well, then it can't be a Halloween movie, so. That is true. Ah, uh, Season of the Witch did not show Michael. Yeah, but no one likes Season of the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> that poor movie. I like Season of the Witch, just not as a Halloween movie. Yeah, I don't know. If it weren't for just knowing that they're going to, they're just going to beat this horse until it dies, I would have said this was just a perfect wrap-up to Halloween because the fight scene at the end. I think it should be. They had perfect allusions yeah. to the first film of Lori after she falls out of yeah. the window yeah. and yeah. just she, disappearing yeah. like Michael he, Michael did. looks away and then he looks back and she's gone and it plays a music sting. And it's just, it's perfect recreation from the first movie and we haven't actually talked about this but this film recreates a lot of scenes from the first movie the closet uh yeah when you kind of see the same closet that laurie was hiding in that michael came to get her in in the first movie that was my favorite part i was like ah it just and it feels organic like it doesn't yeah like it's obviously here for the fans but if you hadn't seen it it's not so intrusive that it would have bothered new fans yeah Yeah. something that wouldn't have been there yeah because i went into the film having i saw the original halloween with my dad a long time ago. Barely remember it. Right. So I came into the new Halloween with no real context other than knowing that there's some insane deep lore behind Michael Myers. Sure is. Shouldn't be. (laughs) And uh, it's a John Carpenter (laughs) film. And I love John Carpenter. I don't know how I haven't watched Halloween before today. But going back and watching the original after seeing the remake, I could point out all of these different moments. I was like, hey, wait a minute. That was a thing that they did. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even notice it. It, it wasn't like <laughs> obvious fan service like the Star Wars films. Call him out. Yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> Somehow everything always goes back to Star Wars. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's my fault. This is <laughs> Gosh, nerd. Um, I would say the last what, thirty minutes of this film. Yeah. Um, if you really don't like the slow pace of the beginning, 
I'd say it's worth it to sit Makes through. up for it tenfold. Uh, everything just closes perfectly. All of the Strode women get to have their moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is nice. They didn't just throw all of them in just to be like props for Lori. I say it all makes sense. Like the whole time we've heard about how the mom got trained her whole life to kill Michael. Like she, yeah. the mom was ready. Lori was obviously ready. And even Allison, who like has never been ready, she stabs him. That adrenaline. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was very well done. I mean, are, do we have any real complaints about the way it ended? No. No. Absolutely I not. don't either. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. It ended beautifully. It was a fantastic And if they movie. make a sequel, it's going to be as bad as Wish Upon. <laughs> We're calling it, folks. I... We know it. There's going to be like five sequels, but they I digress. Will. So, ultimately, would you recommend this film? A thousand percent. Even if you've never seen the first one, just absolutely see this. Oh, yeah. This is a beautiful just slasher movie. It's a spectator sport. Watch it with friends. If you still are, if you are for some reason near a drive-in theater that's not closed right now, because I live near one, this would be a great movie to go see at a drive-in theater. I'm so jealous. That would be awesome. To go see at a drive-in theater with your friends, because you can can be louder. You can be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, stab him. Kill the baby. Kill the baby. (laughs) Kill the baby. <laughs> um, is there another Halloween that even comes close? Uh, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Okay, I should have uh, H2O. You haven't I'm even sure seen it. Get out of here. <laughs> You're a fraud. Fraud. <laughs> Rob Zombies is the worst. I'd say this is probably the best right up there with the first. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could pick between the two. Um. I'll let all of you decide unless you two have any strong feelings about that. But I think this one is a perfect sequel. I've never seen a horror sequel so perfectly fit into it. Um, Good job, everybody involved. I didn't expect it. So do we have any final thoughts on this film? Please don't do another. (laughs) Jason Blum, uh, uh, don't do it. Just don't. Just don't. I know you love making money. I know you're making Happy Death Day too, which has a lot of problems. Oh, I'm so excited about it though. You, I, I discover there's something really sinister about it that I'm not going to get into here. But uh, that that looks terrible. Just don't. Is it that hard he to not make my a sequel? Interest and I he just too. dropped it. <laughs> well, strong words. Please stop. We love Halloween. and uh, <laughs> Just don't. Just take a breather. Maybe come back in another 40 years. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So I've been your host, Emily Rubin. And with me has been the lovelies. Uh, Tanner Kinney. And Matthew Yap. Thank you so much for listening. And you can read all of our content at BiteBSU and TheBallStateDaily.com. And be sure to check out my review of Halloween because selfish promotion. If you feel like it, you should. I don't know. It's It's it's, great. It's good. Thank you. I just praised it the entire time. (laughs) Be sure to also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at BiteBSU. It's all the same on all across every platform. And we'll be posting more Halloween content until the end of the month. So be sure to stay up to date if you like spooky, scary stuff. Thank you for listening.